Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Two Foot Tackle Podcast. I'm your host, Irish Mazarkos. We're back for another week. We'll return. This feels really weird because I actually haven't recorded one of these in about like under a month. Or no, yeah, just a tick under a month, like I reckon twenty days or so. So um yeah, it does feel it does feel very weird, but we are here nonetheless. Um, thank you all very much for for returning. If you have, if it's your first episode, thank you very much for for clicking on the video. Hope you do stick around. Um, but yeah, hope everyone is well. It's been a bit been a really weird couple of weeks with me not recording. My Mondays have been really well, yeah, my Mondays have been really free, which is bizarre because that's the first time in like. First time in about two years where I haven't had to do anything on Mondays, barring obviously the off-season. But that was good. Good break, enjoyed it, reset, refresh, and we return. Um, this is actually the... what I reckon this is the earliest I've ever recorded an episode as well. It's currently 9am. Um, normally normally I do record at about midday, 2.30, 3 o'clock, around about that time. Um, but I'm actually going to the tennis, obviously. Living in Melbourne, Australian Open is on, so I'll be going to the tennis. Hence why it's an early record so that I can enjoy the tennis and not have to rush home and record later tonight. I can just sit and enjoy it. So yes, if it, also if there was no preview of this episode on the socials, um, that's probably why I was I was not able to edit it in time, unfortunately. But everything else should go out as planned, apart from that, which is all good. Um, yeah, a lot of football has happened. A lot of football has happened. I think this is going to be like a little bit of like a reset pod, in a sense, where I just speak about a bunch of shit that happened and not necessarily delve deep into into a couple of things. Obviously, the Asian Cup has happened, or is happening, I should say, in Australia. have played their first game, so we're going to speak about that in depth as well, no doubt, um, and just give like another uh, Asian Cup kind of wrap-up. Unite round happened in the A-League, so we'll speak about that. Um, I want to speak on a certain player returning and just fucking up shit for the whole league, which is going to be good. And I just want to do like a wrap-up of just generally what's happened over the last couple of weeks because I haven't really been here. Um, so yes, where do we start? Before we start, make sure you're subscribed to the Two Foot Tackle Podcast. Uh, make sure you yeah, subscribe, like, um, share it, notification bell, all the good stuff, and obviously, of course, on all the socials as well, Two Foot Tackle Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, and obviously link to a link in the bio of Twitter and Instagram for all your Two Foot Tackle Podcasting needs, and all the audio platforms as well, so, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and Anchor. Um, yeah, they are the, the audio audio platforms, yeah, give a five-star rating, follow, like, subscribe, whatever it is on the relevant audio platforms, give me that, that would be more than appreciated. Um... So yeah, let's just kick things off. Where do we start? Where do we start? Do we start? Do we start Australia Cup or do we start Asian Cup and speak about Australia? Do I really want to start kicking off speaking about the Socceroos and how they performed? Because sure, we could be here for a while. Um, as the camera's not focusing today, that's not very good, is it? Come on, focus. There we go. Um, yeah, you know what? We'll speak on the Asian Cup. We'll start. We'll start, and we'll speak on the Asian Cup. So obviously, the Asian Cup has started. Um, I'll actually give a quick rundown of the groups just for the ill-informed. Um, and I'll give a quick rundown of the groups and my predictions, etc. So in Group A is Qatar, China, Tajikistan, Lebanon. Group B, Australia, Syria, Uzbekistan, India. Group C, Iran, UAE, Hong Kong, Palestine. Group D, Japan, Indonesia, Iraq, Vietnam. Group E, Bahrain, Jordan, Malaysia, South Korea. And Group F, Kyrgyzstan, Oman, Saudi Arabia and Thailand. 
if I was to give a prediction of who I think will get it out of all, the, all, all those groups, I think Qatar and China from Group A. Group B should be Australia and I think Uzbekistan, I think. Group C should be Iran and the UAE. Group D should be Japan and I think Iraq will get, will get out of the group. Group E will be South Korea and Jordan. And Group F will be Saudi Arabia and Oman. I tend to lean. I tend to lean more towards the um the Middle Eastern countries instead of the more East Asian countries. I just think I just think they're better suited to the conditions, and I think, just think they're better overall. Um, yeah, I, I I think I think that's maybe a little bit of prejudice when it comes to I fear going to like as an Australian fan. I fear in a way there to Oman a lot more than I do like a Vietnam or or like a um, Thailand. I just yeah the like Oman and yeah, Iraqs and um, Jordan and like these countries are really hard to go to, especially as as an Australian. So maybe that's kind of the lens I'm looking at it from. But anyway, that, that that's the predictions, and I think Japan win the whole thing comfortably. By the way, although they did just scrape past Vietnam, they won four two, but they were losing twice in that game. I think, which is pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, anyways, let's speak on Australia. So Australia beat or versed. Played and beat India um, on Saturday night. 2-0 win. The lineup was interesting. Obviously, it was Matt Ryan in goal returning from his facial fracture, which is good. Gethin Jones at right back, who was interesting. Suta Rouse Beach make up the back four. Bacchus and Irvine sitting just behind Connor Metcalf, who was the more advanced midfielder of the three, I would say. On a whole, Boyle and Goodwin either side of Mitchell Duke. Um, and obviously the substitutions made were Sam Silvera, uh, Ryan McGree, Yordi Boss, Bruno Fotoroli and Aidan O'Neill. It was a 2-0 win. Jackson Irvine in the 50th minute and then the 75th minute, Yordi Boss with his first touch of the game. Now, where do we start? Oh boy. Um... This this country and this team is really interesting to watch because post World Cup, and this is kind of be speaking like contextually and holistically, I think post World Cup everyone was on their high horse about about um, Arnie and about this team and right, rightfully so. I mean they put in two three hell of a performances against Tunisia, Denmark, and Argentina. They really they really dug in and gave it some of the best performances I've seen from from a soccerist team, right? However, and we can't discredit them. And you could look at the time, and you can go back and and look at the watch the podcast that I'd made post those games. I was not discrediting them in the absolute slightest. I was riding the wave like no one else. However, there comes a time now where you need to look back and think about it contextually. Tunisia, we 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 were better than Tunisia on the day, right? And I think we play outplayed them for the majority of the game. So that game was fine. Denmark and Argentina, we sat back, we're, we're compact and tried to hit teams and tried to hit them both on the counter. And it worked. It's great. And when you verse teams that are better than you, I feel like we're a team that when we verse teams that are better than us, we are good. We are good enough, right? To to get a result. Because we have this ability to sit back, be really compact. We've got a really workmanlike midfield. Like that midfield that we played against India would be, I mean, I'm kind of jumping ahead of what I wanted to speak about it and in the order I wanted to speak about it, but that midfield that we played against India would be very, very good against an Argentina or a Denmark or a fucking, or a Uruguay or a 
like Portugal or a team like that, right? That have a lot of attacking talent because it's very workmanlike, but also technically capable enough to play ourselves out of danger and to play on the counter. They're not just three like dogs in the midfield. Like Bacchus can play a bit, Irvine can play a bit, Metcalf can play a bit, but they're also really workmanlike. But that's besides the point. Although that's jumping ahead. The te- so this, the way that we set up against India and the team that we played against India, in my opinion, was very much suited to versing an opposition that was that is a lot better than us. Like three out of the four teams were in the World Cup. And that's why it worked. That's why you see like the back four barring Jones all started the World Cup, Ryan started the World Cup, Bacchus played um, some minutes in the World Cup, Irvine played basically all the minutes at the World Cup, Goodwin played and um and Duke played. Boyle I think would have played if like he uh, boy, I think would have played if he hadn't got injured, but he very similar player to Malik in that respect. So you can kind of say that that archetype of player and that kind of prototype played in the World Cup as well. I just think we need to, we are currently unable and incapable of playing a playing a style of football that dominates teams. Like we, yeah, we dominate India, but it's really hard to not dominate India as Australia. We weren't doing anything with the ball, though. We were not doing anything with the ball. It was centre-back to centre-back to channel, to centre-back to centre-back to long ball to Duke, centre-back to centre-back to Hollywood pass by someone who we got cut off. And it was corner after corner after corner after corner, first man after first man after first man after first man. Like, there was no... There was no breakthrough. Like, there was no clear way of this team... Or that we could see anyway, that was very much, okay, we're going to pick up the ball here, we're going to play it out to the left, and then we're going to get some underlapping runs, or we're going to get some overlapping ones, we're going to cut inside. There was no clear way of breaking down this defense. And India aren't, they were fine, they played well. For what they are, India played well. For for a very, very, very average footballing nation, they played well. They were sturdy in defense, they did what they had to do, they offered some things on the counter, but you can't really expect a lot more from them, right? But we were still unable of breaking them down. And does it come down to tactics, team selection, mentality? I've got my theories. I think I don't think you can question the mentality of this of this group. I don't think you can question the mentality of this group. I think every person that plays, every person that goes to camp, every person that plays has tip top mentality. I think that was clear to see in the World Cup. So I'm not gonna sit here and say that the players don't want it. I'm gonna sit here and say that they're being set up to fail by the coach, in my opinion, both tactically and team selection-wise. It was It's baffling that Alex Robertson didn't go, and the fact that he's done his hamstring and won't play probably for the, won't play for the rest of the season, I don't think, is heartbreaking, right? Because he's a, he's a world-class talent. Like, I don't, it's, not, it's not inflammatory for me to say that he's a world-class talent. Like, he will be in the Man City team in the, in the very, very near future, right? Just look at just look at Portsmouth's Port, Portsmouth's fan Portsmouth fans reaction reaction to his injury and to what he's done this season. I think that says a lot. And Portsmouth Portsmouth are a top of League One, right? So they're a championship level team. The fact that he didn't didn't go is just bizarre to me. The fact that I mean it's very unfortunate that Rustich is in the position that he's in with injuries and being a horrendously out of form, but I feel like we could have dealt with him. Obviously, Moy's retired, so we have to develop a way to, to, to change around him. But there was there's just this, this distinct lack of creativity in that team 
and I'm not going to sit here and, and, and speak about an individualized players because those players have strengths in their own rights. Backus, I think, is a fantastic defensive midfielder, right? Irvine, I am a massive advocate for, Jack, for Jackson Irvine. I think he's exceptional, right? His ability to work all day, his ability to make the late runs into the box, he's extremely professional. I really like Jackson Irvine. Connor Metcalf as well, I think, is in a very, very similar vein. But that midfield together does not work against teams like India. It doesn't work because there is no... Not none of them have that X factor, and in the same in the same vein, that front three is is good against a team like Argentina or is good against a team like Denmark, but it is so unbelievably kind of a cookie cutter way of set setting set up like it's set up in such a cookie cutter way where it's like big man left footed left winger right footed right winger who are quick and direct get the ball to them they're gonna cross the ball in. Like, it's very predictable. Very predictable. And against a team like India, who probably didn't really pay a lot of attention to their attacking exploits, because when they got the ball, they would just, like, just go and try and make something happen. So they obviously would have focused a lot more on the defensive aspect of the game. They would have seen that we're probably going to start with Goodwin, Boyle, and Duke. Okay, show them inside, don't allow the cross. Show them inside, don't allow the cross. If you put Goodwin onto his right foot, He's got nothing to offer. If you put Boyle onto his left foot, he's got really nothing to offer. And Duke is only really good in a very physical, um, aerial kind of style of game, which this game wasn't that. So, it, it was really predictable. I would have... I mean, and even when we saw we saw the substitutions that came on, McGree made an impact. Boss made an impact. Um, I think Silvera played okay. I thought Bruno made an impact when he came on. Like... That I think there needs to be a massive shift in the way that we approach games, not not from a mentally, not from a mental perspective, because I think we're going to every game thinking that we're going to win it, right? And I think we're going to into every game thinking that we are going to dominate this opposition. However, the manner in which we dominate the opposition has to be different. We need to dominate them in a different way. I will like if we play that way that we play against Japan and South Korea. That we played on the week on against India, we might we might nick a result, but it won't be pretty, right? But we could so easily play that way against like the UAE or even against Uzbekistan or even against um or even against a team like maybe Saudi Arabia were a little bit better, but like a Qatar, and we could so easily lose because they are the level of team where they are good enough to handle us defensively, but they've also got enough on the counter-attack to hurt us. So we're going to sit there and approach the game and play the way that we played, but they're going to be able to hit us on the counter. Whereas when we, if we play against like a Japan or a South Korea, we know we're going to sit back, give them the ball, we're going to, sit, we're going to be the team that sits back. So that's the kind of shift in approach. The way that I would change it, I think McGray has to start. McGray has to start. Like, non non-negotiable the changes that i would make like the performance was fine the performance was fine objectively speaking the performance was fine we won first like we won first game of the tournament get away two nil win we didn't really have suffer any scares defensively no real injuries to note of it was a completely fine performance however things need to change and the changes that i would make mcgree has to start has to start like absolute non-negotiable. McGregor has to start. I think Yordi Boss needs to start in some aspect because he came on and showed a completely different level of X factor than what Aziz was was able to show. Even though even though Boss played left wing and even Goodwin was, Goodwin was able to show as a left winger, um, 
I think you, I think we need to find a way to implement someone like a Silvera or a Yenji or a Bruno because they're players that offer something different. It offers unpredictability and it also offers the ability for us to play football. Like, I love Duke, but he isn't a striker that you play when you want to dominate a team in the final third. I love Goodwin, but he isn't a player that you play when you want to dominate a team into the final third. Players, Even players like Tilio, who I know hasn't played a lot for Celtic this season, but he's a player that will get on the ball and make something happen. He's direct, he's he's fluid, he's very quick, quick fake, quick, uh, got good agility, right? So players like Tilio, players like Yenji who can make something happen, who's a far more dynamic version of Duke. Bruno, even if you want to play Bruno up front, we show, we've seen how good he can be for victory this season, right? Um, McGree has to start. Like there needs to be some changes to this team, because if we keep playing that same workman-like team against teams where we should beat comfortably and dominate comfortably, it's going to eventually come back to bite us in the ass, like it did in twenty nineteen when we versus the UAE. We scraped through against Uzbekistan in that tournament, and we lost to the UAE because of this timid cowardly in some aspects team selection in my opinion we as one of the best as one of the top five teams in the tournament we are setting up not to lose than to win and that shouldn't happen as a team with the quality that we've got it's not a mentality thing it is a personnel and a selection thing in my opinion and a tactics thing as well so yeah that's just my two cents on that um yeah we won which is great because I didn't really want to see Australia lose to India of all teams. Um, I think we're gonna have a we're gonna have our work cut out for us against Uzbekistan and Syria, because I mean Syria nearly knocked us out of the World Cup in twenty eighteen, and um, Uzbekistan took us to pens in the following tournament. So it's not gonna be easy. It's it will it will, it will be a lot of things, and easy won't be one of them. So yeah, that's just my two cents on on Australia and the Asian Cup. That's um, yeah, that's what I think needs to happen for for the next um kind of for the next game, just win, like just win. McGree has to start. Like, <laughs> I can't get over how much of a non-negotiable that is. I think yeah, how much of a non-negotiable that is. Would I start Silvera? Maybe, probably not. Tilio and Yanji are probably your they're the X factor players that you want to bring off the bench. I would have I would have started Alex Robertson. I think Alex Robertson starts like absolute non-negotiable in this team, but what can you do, hey? What can you do? Anyways, that is all I want to speak about for the age for the Australian Asian Cup aspect of things. I feel like that's um yeah, otherwise I'll drive myself insane. But yeah, let's move on. And let's move on. Let's stay speaking speaking about Australian football. Let's speak on Unite Round. Let's speak on Unite Round. Now, Unite Round obviously happened over the weekend. All games in A-League men's and women's happening in Sydney. In Sydney, Australia. Um, yeah, interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I obviously didn't go. I watched from the comfort of my um, from my comfort of my own home. Um, I know people who did who did went from all accounts. The 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 personal enjoyment. Of a lot of people that I've seen on Twitter or on TikTok, people that I know went good, completely, completely fine event, football all day every day, 
It's great. In the one place, it's awesome. Who doesn't love it, right? And I think overall, I think I think there's a tweet. Hold on. Well, I can bring up the attendance figures. I think overall, overall, a pass mark. I think it's a pass mark, yeah. So, here you go. Official word from the APL. Across its 12 games, the A-Leagues Unite round attracted 47,425 fans through the gates. As a point of comparison, the Sydney-based A-League men's and A-League women's grand finals from last season draw combined 36,000 attendees. I know you can sit there and say, oh, you're comparing 12 games to two. I don't think it's doing that. I just think it's comparing the potential of both, right? The potential of both um, of both concepts. Now, I'm not going to take a look at the games because I think the games, I think the A-League actually dished out a pretty good weekend of games considering for it. There was goals flying left, right, and center. Obviously, you had the you had the Brisbane-Newcastle game, which ended 3-2. You had the Perth-Wellington game, which ended 4-3. The Adelaide-Sydney game ended 4-3. McCarthy... West United had three all with a hat trick, and Daniel Pena, Daniel Pena taking the absolute P one double five. Same with you as the VR as well or Davia. Um, I think the scheduling changes that I would make, I would not put it in the middle of the in the middle of summer. I would either put it at the start or at the end of the season. Um, I would have it be a separate round. I wouldn't have it count as a home and away game. I would have it count as a neutral game that just gets added plus one to the actual scheduling. And I would have potentially one or even two marquee games. Would I have derbies? Probably not. I personally would want to see a Melbourne derby played in Sydney. I think that defeats the purpose. Would you play a Sydney derby there? Maybe. Would you play a, would you play a big blue there? Probably. I think I think it's worthwhile having on a Friday. I think victory. Look, I'm going to speak it. Like I'm not I'm not speaking about this because I'm a victory supporter, but I'm speaking about this from the fact that victory are probably one of the biggest clubs in the league. So you need to be able to maximise the travelling supporters that they have, um, and the supporter base that they have. I would firstly I would have the women's and the men's games line up as best as possible because Perth men's playing on a. Um, Perth men's playing on a Sunday night, and the women's team and the women's um, team playing on a Friday. They, they played on the Friday, didn't they? Yeah, they played on the Friday. Is ridiculous. Like that defeats the whole purpose. Why having the women's team play on the Friday and the men's team play on the Sunday? Just have them both play on the Saturday, or have them both play on the Friday, or both play on the Sunday. Like I don't get it. Um, but that's besides the point. Uh, that's not really besides the point. That's another issue that I would fix. But I would have a couple of strong fixtures, and actually, I. Did make a, I did a video for the Inner Sanctum YouTube channel where I looked at a potential gather round for the A League, and I looked at what it might look like, and I will quickly bring up that Google Doc and see what um I've just thought of this now, so this is not in the plans, but um, I looked at what a what an A League gather round would look like. Here we go, and this is this is the fixture fixtures that I would have for the men's. I had Friday. Adelaide versus Victory. Saturday, Wellington versus Perth. Newcastle versus Brisbane. Western Sydney versus Central Coast. Sunday, MacArthur versus Sydney. And Western United versus Melbourne City. That obviously will change because I had this in intention for it to be in Adelaide. So how I would change it, I would have on the Friday night, I would have the Big Blue. I'd have Big Blue on a Friday night. On the Saturday, I would keep the two Saturday during the day games. Wellington versus Perth, I'd keep... And Newcastle versus Brisbane, I'd keep. I'd change it. I'd go 
Western Sydney. Actually, no, I'd keep Western Sydney versus Central Coast on the sat on the Saturday night, and on the Sunday, I would go. I'd, I would I would go Adelaide versus Macarthur and Western United versus Melbourne City. Maybe that's probably what I would do. I would I would have at least because I think Western Sydney versus Central Coast is a pretty pretty big kind of fixture. Central Coast you have a good travelling base, travelling away fans, and I think they played um, at at Combank not long ago. Um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, they played last week at, at Combank and they got they got they got twelve thousand people, which is fucking pretty good. So just have that game and play that on the Saturday night. Have the big blue on the Friday night, which will pack out Allianz. Um, and yeah, that's that that's what I would do. I think. Um, and then you can you can float your your women's fixtures in and amongst there because I don't think you'd have all the games played at one ground. You might have two on the Saturday played two of the men's games on Saturday, on the Saturday played at like Allianz and then one the men's game at Combank and then a women's game before and then yeah but I would make scheduling changes definitely but overall I think the concept was good <clears throat> yeah essentially is what I'm saying um overall I think the concept is good obviously it's in its infancy it's the first year it was very rushed because of what happened with the grand final I think there's you can see that there is something here for it to succeed. It's not a complete write-off. Was it a total success? Probably not. Were the crowds as big as what people would have liked? Probably not. Was it as organized as what people would have liked? Probably not. But once again, you can't really blame that all too much on the APL because of what happened with the grand final and the quick kind of rush decision to change it. Next year, if they do decide to do it again, they're going to have a full year of planning, a full year of marketing, a full year of understanding the concept and fixing the errors that they made this year. I think there is big scope for this to be very, very big and very, very good for the league. Does it stay in Sydney? Does it move to Adelaide? Does it move to Melbourne? Who knows? But as a concept, it's worked in the NRL. It's worked in the AFL. I see no reason why it can't work in the A-League as well. Um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's good. I think what we saw, we saw enough over the weekend for it to be a success in my opinion in the future um but yeah that's just my two cents on it all and if you speak about the games um i feel like it's a it's a ob- obligation for me to speak about the games as well um mccarthy's western united three all that's one of the games where that's one of the games you show to people where they say oh the a-league doesn't have any quality yeah, watch watch you list the VIA play football and watch Daniel Pena play football and come back to me when you say the Alley doesn't have any quality. Um, they just both of them took the absolute piss. Like it was it was insane. Both of them took the absolute piss during that game. And I spoke about this. I spoke about this very similar topic week one of the A League when it was Western United versus Melbourne City and Arsenal was taking the piss and um, Arsenal was taking the piss and um, Saki was taking the piss and all these guys. I said. We have very good imports this season. Like, our imports this season as a league, very good. Very good. Very good year for Visa players. When you're speaking about... I mean, Togolo Arsene is one of the best players I've ever seen play in the league. Zinedine Marchach is, for victory, has captured my imagination like I don't think any player has ever done. He... I'm in love with that man, genuinely. Um, it's fucked. Like... It, uh, the, the way watching him play football and watching him play for my team is just fucked. And then Pena and the VR, and then you've got so many other players from like Wellington have a couple of good ones. And like, there's a lot. And mate, if you say the Alley doesn't have quality, then I don't know what, I don't know what you're watching. Um, Western, well, Western Sydney beat um, Melbourne City. 
that also featured a very good goal. Uh, Dylan Perea scoring like that that reverse pass. Who played that reverse pass? Um, I, can't, I can't actually find who played the reverse pass, but that reverse pass into Perea's and for him to take that first time left foot bottom corner was insane. Like so good. And that, that I watched that. I was like. Fuck, that was a good goal. Speaking of a good goal, I'm skipping ahead, but Adelaide's... Was Adelaide's second goal? Was, or was it Ibusuki's second goal? I think it might have been Ibusuki's second goal. Um, no, it was his first goal. Yeah, the, the the ball played into Halloran, into the channel, and then that quick first-time ball across goal for Ibusuki was unreal as well. Mate, there were a couple of really good goals on the weekend. And even Central Coast's goal against Victory, as much as it annoyed the shit out of me, perfect ball... F- Perfect ball play through by um, Ballard. And Reese first time, round these zone, back of the net, no dramas. That was a really good goal as well, despite, it's, and despite the fact that it annoyed the shit out of me. Um, yeah, some really good goals, really good games, high-scoring games. Mate, from an on-the-pitch perspective, you can't really complain. You can't really complain. It would be really good if they can, if, if, it can, if that can happen a lot more um, in terms of, like, it would be really good if... The Alley can produce that level of football for United round for every United round to come. I think that'd be that'd be handy, but um, yeah, you can't complain if you went if you went to the majority of those games. You can't really complain. The worst game on the weekend was probably Central Coast versus Victory. It was really bland. But um, for those who stayed, because both ga- both of the games were at the same ground, weren't they? Yeah, both of the games were at Alliance. If you stayed and watched the Adelaide Sydney game, mate, you got bang for your buck. You got you watched you watched nine goals across two games of football. Pretty good in my books. <laughs> Pretty good in my books. Um, and then even on even on the weekend, Brisbane, Brisbane and Newcastle. I know they'll played Brisbane and Newcastle and Perth and Wellington. I know they'll played at two separate grounds, which is a bit annoying because you want to try out m- more games at the one ground so more people can go at the same time. Um, but yeah, you can't. We can't always have what you want at the end of the day. But yeah, regardless, United rounds good, good, and um, yeah, can't really complain from that aspect. I don't think. So yes, that is all I wanted to really speak about from United Round. Um, let's let's speak on some English football now, shall we? Um, and I've just I've just quickly um, I've got written down on the run sheet here. Kevin De Bruyne returning to fuck over everyone. Um, he returned from was it a hamstring injury or it was it was a lengthy period on the sideline. His last game, um, his last game was the twelfth of August. Um, which was the first game of the, of the season, I think. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, his first game was the 12th of August. His last game was the 12th of August in the league. Um, and he, he just returns after about four months off on the sidelines, um, comes on, scores and gets an assist and takes his team from a 2-1 deficit to a 3-2 lead away from home against Newcastle, who, despite the injury... Um, history, uh, a pretty good team, um, and team struggled to beat them as a Chelsea supporter. I do know that. So, um, is he like one of the best players we've seen, like ever in the Prem? Like, I'm obviously too young to to see the likes of. I'm too young to remember the likes of Ronaldo playing in the Prem, um, Henri, Burkamp, Lampard and Jarrod as well. To a certain extent, I was probably a little bit too young for them. I didn't really catch them in their prime. The, the the biggest I the the um the best player that I can remember or the first player I can remember watching and thinking holy fuck you are exceptional 
which probably Eden Hazard. Maybe that should be my Chelsea bias. The fact that I watched obviously more Chelsea games than I do other team games, other teams' games. Um, maybe, maybe it's got something to do with that. But I also think players like Marcelo as well is a player that I've watched sometimes and I've gone. Fuck me, bro. Like, how are you that good? Like, there was a period... I think I've spoken about this before in the podcast. But Mo Salah was the best player in the world for about a four-month period at the back end of 2021. Back end of 2021, start of 2022, I think it was. And it was insane. Insane. Like, just fucked. Um, and that that was probably one of, the, one of the periods where I was like, oh, shit, you're, like, really good. And I was like, oh, well, I'm watching, watching like generational talent, but is like, how what is it recency bias? Is it just because he's come back, and is it just because he's come back and was and has developed or had and has changed a game by himself and scored and got an assist? There were some of the things that he's done, like the way he strikes balls, left foot, right foot. He's tall. He can dribble. He can fucking shoot, pass, defend, do anything, right? Is it recency bias when it comes to that? Because, like, I think he has to be within the conversation now of top three players who ever play in the league. Like, it has to be. It's probably him, Henri, Ronaldo, and then... I don't know. It's probably them three, right? Is it? Like, of all-time players. Like, you've got the likes of Shearer, and, like, in terms of goal scores, you've got, like, Shearer and, like, Aguero and Rooney... Rooney's probably up there as well, hey. Um, but when it comes to overall well-rounded players, he has to be definitely top five, probably arguably top three. On like Henri would have to be thereabouts. Ronaldo would have to be thereabouts. I mean, he won a Ballon d'Or at United. Salah maybe isn't there when it comes to all-round players. Is Rooney in that conversation? Probably. Rooney's probably in that conversation. Is Jared or Lampard or Skulls in that conversation? Probably not. Vieira, Kane, probably not. Like, when you think of iconic Premier League players, does being iconic necessarily mean you're the best? Probably not either. So, I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting conversation because he's probably the one of, if not the best player that I've ever seen in my life that I play in the Premier League. And as an opposition supporter, he is one of, I reckon, about four players as a Chelsea supporter, and we've been good for the majority of my lifetime, where I've gone into every single time we've versed this player, I've gone, oh shit, we're here for a big day. Even the likes of Salah, even the likes of um, Aguero, even the likes of these other exceptional players, I've gone into some games against Liverpool or City or United and gone, you know what, we'll we'll handle this player today. I don't think I've ever sat there and thought, we're going to handle Kevin De Bruyne today. Never. Champions League final, FA Cup final, Carabao Cup, Community Shield, Premier League game, whatever. Dead rubber, title on the line, I don't care. There's there's always this level of fear when it comes to the Bruin. So, um, I'm going to... I'll just put the neck out on the line and say... I would say that he's... I would say that he's probably top three players in, the Premier, in Premier League history. Probably. I would say... I was too young, but for, from all accounts, Henri was a pretty good footballer. So I'll say Henri. And from what I've seen. And then... And then what? Is it is it Ronaldo? Is it Rooney? Is it Salah? I don't know. I don't think you can put players like Shira there because despite his goal-scoring record, I don't think he was overall the best. Granted, I'm far too young to be having this conversation in fairness, so please rinse me if I'm wrong. Um, 
And in the same vein, like Jared and Lampard were very, very good. They're probably top 10, maybe not top 5. Um, definitely not top 3, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's an interesting conversation because I feel like re- people either have extreme recency bias or they have extreme nostalgia bias. So, if, you have, if you're if you on the nostalgia bias avenue, you're thinking, nah, Henri's the best, even players like Burkamp and Rooney and these players. If you're on the extreme recency bias side of things, you're like, yeah, De Bruyne and Salah are top five ever. Like, it's an interesting conversation, but I think you can't deny that he's at least top three right now, in my opinion, of all-time Premier League players because some of the shit that he does is just freakish, just absolutely freakish. Um, sorry, yeah, I just got distracted by a message. Yeah, just freak, yeah, freakish on what he does. Freakish. So, yeah, that is all I just wanted to speak about when it comes to the Bruin, because he's just cracked. Um, let's give a quick Premier League wrap-up, and then, uh, yeah, we'll give a quick Premier wrap-up, and then we'll, um, touch on some other things. Um, Liverpool sit top, two points clear of City. Villa sit third, fuck, they might get Champions League football, that's pretty insane. Um, that's pretty fucked. Arsenal, Arsenal have the capability of falling out of the top four very quickly if they don't win against Palace um, next week, and Tottenham do, and Tottenham do to pick up some points, which is very, very interesting. Um, Arsenal lost three games on the spin, three games on the spin, two losses in the league, um, and they've lost. They've only won one. Out of the, they've only won one game in the league. They've won one game in a month. Full stop. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting talking point. Um, United, Chelsea were above United for, for a brief moment, which I thought was just hilarious, considering everything that's happened. Um, yeah, anything... I don't really think there's anything else for me for me to say when it regards to the Prem. I think it's a good just good reset pod. Forget about looking backwards. We're only looking forwards. We've looked backwards for the, for the week, and now we can only look forwards. Um, AFCON has started... Um, I'm not going to pretend this. I'm going to see. I, I did a lot of research when it, into the last AFCON because um, I watched that. I didn't watch that intently, but I watched it intently enough for me to understand what's going on. And I did some research when it comes to the teams beforehand. Got no idea. Got no idea this year. I'm just going to be blatantly honest. Um, I'm going to assume play like teams like Algeria should do right, like Morocco should do okay, Senegal. I'm assuming right. Um, but I could come back and fucking Equatorial Guinea would have won it. And AFCON's weird. AFCON doesn't... AFCON takes all the... Like, the form of players in Europe, they come to AFCON, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just doesn't matter. Like, when we look at the winners, like, um, Zambia won it in 2012. Like, I can't remember Zambia having any good players in 2012, with all due respect. Like, Egypt won it three years in a row. Um, when the likes of, like, players like... Players like Essien and Drogba and Eto were all running around in Europe and come back and play for the national teams, and they still couldn't win it. Afcon doesn't care about your European form; it all cares about what you do in Africa. And they just there's something special about that competition, which is really good. Similar with the Asian Cup as well, I think to a certain extent, less up, but still a certain extent. Um, so yeah, I think that's all. FA is a um, is there no prem? No, there is prem. Um, obviously, prem returning this weekend. A League happening, Asian Cup, FA Cup midweek. It's all happening. A lot of football. We're going to be sitting here and next week and speaking about a shit ton of football, which is always good. Um, so, yeah. Is there, is there anything else from, for, me, for me to say? I don't think. I don't think. Um, only three kind of three talking points, in a sense, from, from this episode. But, yeah, I just wanted to speak about those three relatively in depth because I feel like it was important it's important to do that. But, yes. Thank you all very much for watching. I think that's it. Yeah. Thank you all very much for watching another episode of the Two Foot Attack podcast. 
um, I do appreciate um, I do appreciate everyone sticking around. If you have, if it's your first episode, make sure you subscribe. I feel like I've done a pretty good job. Um, make sure to subscribe, get a box of like, follow, sub- rate, five star, whatever. Like, notification bell, share it, all the good stuff. Um, but yeah, see you guys next week. We're going to speak about some more football and we're back weekly all the way till the end of the season and then we'll reset from there. But yes, thank you very much for watching. See you guys next week. Goodbye.